our purpose, what we're about as a church, love Jesus with all our hearts. We want to love the Lord. Secondly, journey together in every way. We want to band together to serve Christ. And then thirdly, we want to bring hope to the world, both locally and internationally. That's what we're about. Church, we're going to begin by praying the Lord's Prayer. If you would pray it with me, full voice, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Lord, there is no one like you. You are the incomparable, infinite, holy, sovereign God of all creation. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of your glory. Lord, you have been so good to us, and we bless you, Lord God, and worship you and adore you today, especially for Savior, for forgiveness, for life in you. Now, Lord God, we've got lots of challenges in these, and some folks, Lord God, walked in here overwhelmed. Would you please, Lord God, be with every single person and rescue and deliver? Lord, we pray for our fellow churches. We know there's only one church in the city, and this weekend, Lord God, we are praying for Riverstone, our church plant in in Montgomery, Texas, that you would bless them, their pastor, John Okomiski, in every way. Lord, we thank you for all the ministry partners outside the walls of Wood's Edge. And this weekend we're praying, Lord God, for Percy Kennedy, his ministry to single dads, uh, both here in the community and at the Navasota prison. Lord, please continue to bless Percy in that ministry. Lord God, we we don't have the words to give voice, Lord God, to um, about the shooting in Florida. Lord God, we cannot imagine, Lord, what those parents, what those family members are feeling. But, Lord God, we just call out to you for mercy and rescue and grace and peace. Lord, be with those families. Now, Papa, as we open your holy word, by your spirit, would you please speak to every single one of us in any way you choose. Lord, those are our prayers. We pray together in Christ's name. Amen. Church, would you please stand with me as I read today's passage? We are in Ephesians chapter 6, the classic passage in all the Bible on spiritual war. We'll be in it a couple of, a couple of weeks. This morning, I'll begin reading chapter 6, verse 10. <clears throat> Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Church, this is God's Word. Please be seated. (laughs) 
from Genesis 3 to Revelation 20, three chapters from the start, three chapters from the end, we see that there is a raging spiritual war going on in the cosmos all around us. Now, it is largely invisible and unseen, but yet the discerning heart knows there is spiritual warfare raging around us, and we ignore that battle, that warfare, to our peril. Now, if we have the perspective that there is spiritual battle raging around us, which is biblical, what the Bible teaches is that life is a battle and eternity is a party. We're, we're headed to a party, but it's not here yet. We get doses of it, but life that we live in, there's a raging spiritual battle. This means that the metaphor for the spiritual life is not a cruise ship, but a battleship. That is, a cruise ship, you, you expect to be entertained, well-fed, and have fun, and pleasant time by all. But in a battleship, you recognize, I'm not a passenger to be entertained. I am a soldier in the battle, and the battle is out there, and I need to be alert to it. We live in wartime just as if during World War II, I understand that some of our forebears, even who weren't fighting in Europe or Asia, they had a wartime mentality. Do you have a wartime mentality as a believer? For example, think about prayer. Think about the Lord's Prayer that we pray every Sunday morning. In that prayer, we begin with three God-centered petitions about God's name, His kingdom, His will. And then, in this sample prayer, we pray three things for ourselves. Those three things, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So, in the one sample prayer that Jesus gives us, and the three sample petitions He instructs us with, one of the three involves the battle. One-third doesn't mean that we have to legalistically make sure that a third of our prayers involve that, but if we are not praying much about the spiritual battle, that is less than a fully biblical perspective or having a wartime mentality. Perhaps you've been lulled to sleep a bit. I would say especially for you men. I know this is true for everybody, but we men as protectors of families, of kids, of church, community, we especially have a calling in the spiritual battle, and this is how we fight it. Take up your sword and take up your shield and fight the battle. We're in wartime. The passage begins assuming the war. He says in verse 10, as we unpack it, he says, finally, he's finally reaching the last part of the book, and maybe some of you are thinking as we wrap up Ephesians after a couple of years, finally. <laughs> finally, be strong in the Lord. Doesn't mean that we grit our teeth, that we toughen it up, that we buck up and be tough. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Not in ourselves, in the Lord. Be finally, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Talking about Christ. Now, Three words in that one brief sentence involve the strength of God. Be strong in the strength of His might. Be strong in His mighty strength. He's got the power. In ourselves, we are weak. One of those songs that Colin led us through earlier. Uh, we are weak, but you are strong. 
And that's biblical perspective. We're sinful, we're flawed, we're frail, we're vulnerable, we mess up. But the power is in Christ, and it's available to us. In 2 Corinthians 12, the greatest Christian of all time, the Apostle Paul, had this encounter with Jesus. This is what he said. Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may, may rest upon us. So we recognize we're frail, we're flawed, we mess up, but in Christ we are not weaklings. In the spiritual battle raging through the universe, we're not wimps. We can be strong in the Lord and in His mighty strength. And He'll tell us what that's going to involve and how that happens. So He goes on, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty strength. Why? Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, if you're awake this morning, that ought to sober you a little bit. Schemes? You mean there's somebody out there scheming against me? Plots, plans to ruin me, devour me, to ruin my family, my marriage, my kids, my church, my community? There are schemes against me by a pernicious enemy? There are schemes. And so, because of that, we put on this full armor, and we are strong in Christ's strength. How does, how does Satan scheme against you? Well, discouragement, fear, anger, that's a big one, depression, guilt, shame, doubt, addiction, materialism, accusation, temptation, lies, all of these and more. There are schemes against you by these demonic enemies all the time. Oh, this is not a cruise ship, is it? Headed to a party. Right now, we're in battle. We're in war, and we need to recognize it. Wake up. So, this last one, lies. That's a big one. Jesus in John 8 said about Satan, he said, he's a liar, and he's the father of lies. He is the source of lying. And he does not come, you know, kind of face up to us and announce, I'm about to tempt you or deceive you. Doesn't, doesn't say, okay, this is going to be a temptation from Satan. You know, get ready. Uh, rather, he lies to you. He deceives you. He, he's a master of disguise. Let's look at some of the lies. Because you've heard these lies, many of them, all your life. In fact, you've heard them so much that you may have thought, that's just me. Or that's reality. These are lies. Here's one. You know, Bob, God is holding back on you in this. God is depriving you of something that you really need to be happy. You deserve this. Now, that's the first lie we see in Genesis 3. He basically, Satan basically says to Adam and Eve, God is holding, he's got all this great fruit, but God is holding back on you what you really need to be happy. You need this fruit. You've heard that lie in all kind of forms all your life. Here's another one. You know, you can't trust God on this. He's not going to come through for you. You are on your own now. Here's another one. God is still mad at you because of that divorce. In fact, he's written you off. He'll never use you again. Some of you heard that lie? You bet you have. 
Here's one. When it comes to obeying one of God's commands that's hard, here's the lie. You are an exception to what God tells us in the Bible about divorce, adultery, premarital sex, gossip, giving, whatever it is. You're an exception to what God says. Your case is special as He comes offering you something that seems so pleasant, but then He's got you by the throat. Here's another one. If you just had more money, you'd be happy. Have you ever heard that one? <laughs> Duh. Um, if you had the things your neighbor had, you'd be happy. If you were just married, you'd be happy. Or, sometimes, if you were just divorced, you'd be happy. <laughs> Church, recognize that lie because... All that you need for your happiness is found in Jesus Christ. And if you do not find it in Jesus Christ, you will not find it. You will not find it. It's a lie. Here's one. You're doing such a lousy job at being a mom or dad. In fact, you're ugly and you're stupid. Some of you have been listening to that, as ridiculous as it is. Here's one. This is a common one, a big one. You know, God doesn't really love you. Loves others, but not you. Uh, in fact, he's, he's, he's quite angry at you. You know, Satan is out to ruin your soul and devour your family and suck all the life, peace, and joy out of your life. And some of us are walking around oblivious and ignoring the battle and the schemes of the enemy. The Bible says we're not ignorant about his schemes. We see plenty in the Scriptures about those schemes. You know, when it comes to these lies of, of, of Satan, someone said about Satan, the only power that Satan has is in his lies, and until we believe his lies, he is powerless. Church, let's don't believe the lies. Let's just call them out. If you hear one of those lies or countless others, just say, that's ridiculous. That's not true. I'm going to go with what the Bible says and what God says. You, you've gone through some failures in the past, and you're getting this continual barrage of, of guilt laid on you for sins that Christ has forgiven that you brought to the Lord. Don't listen to those accusations and condemnations. Rather, claim what God says, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, and tell Satan where to go. Or claim the truth of, for, of Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your transgressions from us. Stand on God's Word. Say no to the lies of the enemy. Recognize those lies. All righty. Why is this absolutely so vital? He's got more to say about it. He says, put on the full armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. Put on the whole armor of God. Don't put on some of it. Put on the whole thing. Now, next week, we will detail six pieces of the armor. They include the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. And next week we will look at each one of these in individual. But let me just sort of wrap them up to say this. Bottom line, you put on the whole armor of God when you obey the Lord, when you walk with God, when you put Him first and surrender to Him. You're putting on the full, the, the full armor of God. But at the point that you disobey God, attitude, action, unforgiveness, whatever it is, at that point, 
It's like you ripping off a part of your armor and you're right in the midst of the battle, exposing your heart to attack. Put on the whole armor of God because we've got schemes against us. Also, he continues in verse 12 when he reminds us, for, that is because of this reason, put on the full armor of God, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. For, put on the full armor of God because you've got these raging spiritual evil beings against you, these what the Bible calls at times unclean spirits who want to ruin your soul. And they're arrayed against you. Now, they're powerful beings. I mean, even the language that God uses here, rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil, make no mistake, they're venomous and vicious and are out for your destruction, out for your harm in any way possible. So you've got to put on the full armor of God. Now, doesn't he start off by saying in this verse, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood? Many of you are living your lives thinking that my enemies are, are human, and, and they're not. Uh, some of you think, man, if those people who are against me, they're my enemies. Uh, th- those folks in the Middle East that are radical Islam, they're my enemies. Folks, they are blinded by the enemy. Can you look at, the, at, at a radical Muslim with love? That I mean, here is this a man or woman who desperately needs to know that the love of Jesus Christ is for them, and they do not know it. They're not your enemy. They're blinded by the enemy, and they desperately need God's love and grace. Or even sometimes uh, closer to home. Sometimes you maybe you're, you're getting some real struggles in your marriage, and you think, she's the enemy, or he's the enemy. For example, you're, you're driving along, say the husband's driving, the wife's over here, and, and just say, I know it doesn't ever happen to you, but just say that she gives you a little backseat driving and uh, makes some suggestions about your driving, and this rage of anger just flashes over you that's out of proportion to, to maybe she was a little unkind, but out of proportion. And, and do you recognize the spiritual battle going on here that more is going on than just you and your wife? You've got a spiritual enemy out to attack you and ruin you. Guys, we got to be alert to this. The enemy is not human. The enemy is demonic. Fight the real battle. Fight the battle. Now, they're powerful beings. You see that in the language. But I always want to clarify something when I deal with spiritual warfare. I want to make it very clear that Satan is not God's counterpart. Because God has no counterpart. God is the uncreated, vast, sovereign, infinite, perfect, holy God of all the universe. And the highest of created beings, including the angelic world, they're just way down here, pipsqueaks. Satan is not God's counterpart. God has no counterpart. Now, Satan may be the leader of the evil forces, and God, of course, is the source of all good in the universe, but he is not God's counterpart. If he's got a counterpart, if Satan has a counterpart, that would be Michael the archangel, something like that. So never get confused about the spiritual battle. We serve the sovereign God, and he has won, and we're on the winning time, winning scene. All right, second thing to clarify, 
Also, in light of this, the fact that, the, yeah, there's some powerful beings out here, never fear the enemy. We never walk in fear. Some Christians, it seems like a little bit afraid. Man, maybe these demons are going to get me. We don't have to be afraid. In fact, uh, a believer is to fear no one except God. No human, no demon. No one except God do we fear. We don't walk in fear. As long as we are obeying the Lord, uh, walking with the Lord, trusting the Lord, putting Him first, we're safe. We're safe. We're shielded. We're, we're protected. Uh, it's a little bit like this. Okay, we know that there are germs everywhere. I just put my hand on a billion germs right there. And, and there are germs all over. But, but we don't live in constant fear the, uh, of all the germs unless we're a bit of a germaphobe or, um, you know, hypochondriac or something. We generally know that we're going to be fine. Uh, same for the spiritual battle. There are demons all around you, but we don't live in fear of those because we focus on the Lord and we are safe in Him. We don't focus in fear of the battle. The Bible says, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So much greater. All righty. Third uh, clarification is just to remind you again, your, your, your enemies are not human. They're demonic. You've got enemies, but they're demons. All righty. He comes to the final verse of the passage in verse 13, and he reiterates a couple of things. In verse 13, he says, therefore... After talking about the schemes, after talking about the spiritual forces arrayed against you, therefore, in light of this, take up the whole armor of God. He says it again, as he had said in verse 11, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, a couple of things there. Earlier he referred to, referred to this present darkness, here he refers to this evil day. Again, life is a battle, not a cruise ship. I mean, there's a raging war around us. He says, uh, take up the full armor that you may be able to withstand, and having done all, to stand firm. The very next verse that we take up next week, he begins, stand therefore. And two verses earlier, in verse 11, he said that you may be able to stand four times, in four verses, stand in the battle. We don't flee the enemy. We don't run. We don't tuck tail. We stand. He flees. We stand in Christ's strength. He flees. In fact, James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, church, church that's God's word saying that. If you say no to that temptation, that lie, that deception, that temptation, stand against it, stand in God's strength, Satan flees. Resist it. Say no. Call it out. No way am I going there. But we've got to take on the armor. Put on the whole armor of God. Twice. Put on the whole armor of God. You know, let, let me just kind of get a, a comical illustration. It's a silly illustration, really, but to make the point. Okay, who's the most famous person in Houston? The most loved person in Houston? Come on, J.J. Watt, of course. Uh, you, 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 knew, you knew folks here, J.J. Watt is the most famous person in Houston. Um, okay, imagine the, 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 the NFL season is kicking off. Man, the Texans are healthy. We got Deshaun Watson, the quarterback. We got J.J. Watt. We got Whitney, uh, what's his name? Merciless. We got Whitney Merciless. We're healthy. We're good. And we're all excited. You go to the first game. Uh, there's tension. There's adrenaline before the season starts. Uh, we kick off. Our defense goes out there. And there's J.J. Watt going out. But look, he's got on swim trunks and a jersey. No cleats, no pads, 
no shoulder pads, no helmets, no mouth guard. What are you going to think? You're thinking, this is what's going on here. J.J. Watt is going to get killed. Exactly. And if you do not take up your armor in the battle, you are going to get killed. And that's why God, with great emphasis, says, take up the full armor of God and stand against the enemy in Christ's strength. What have we seen this morning? A few summary principles. First of all, the battle is real. The enemy is real. Their enemy is not human, but demonic. Secondly, put on that full armor. Church, armor up. Armor up. Every day, obey the Lord. Walk with the Lord. Grab this Bible. Just saying, if you're not in this book regularly, I'd say daily, a lot, you're like J.J. Watt in the swim trunks. This is the sword. Why would you fight the battle without the sword? Prayer, prayer, if, if you're not uh, praying a good bit, uh, I'd say this about you. Prayer is the acid test of whether or not you're strong in the Lord or you're trying to be strong in yourself. Whatever you say, whatever you say, if you don't pray much in the battle, you're trying to be strong in self. But if you're praying regularly, dependent, desperately dependent, you're being strong in the Lord. Uh, church, let's take up our full armor. Armor up. Thirdly, we've seen uh, never fear Satan. We fear God alone. If we're walking with Christ, we're fine. Fourthly, be alert to the schemes against you. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, we're not ignorant of his schemes. We're not. Again, that's why you need to be in this book. Fifthly, you're not a weakling. Don't, don't believe that lie. Oh, you're just a wimp. Oh, you can't help yourself. Oh, you've got to do that. That's a lie. You're strong in the Lord and in history. And then finally, number six, stand firm in the battle and resist the devil, and he will flee. He will flee. So, you're struggling with a problem or a challenge, maybe a sin area, maybe a growth area, maybe an addiction. But if you're alive, you're like me, you're struggling. You've got some challenges. How do you pray about those? Well, you certainly are aware that there may be multiple causes or factors involved in this issue. But you are aware that in this world of raging war, there is a spiritual factor also. You have a demonic foe. And so you don't just ignore it. But that's part of your prayer. And what I'd like to do in closing is to give you a sample prayer. That fact, we're going to pray it together here. And when you're facing and wrestling a problem, uh, this is the kind of prayer we need to be praying. Stand with me, please. The prayer is going to come up on the screen. And this is the kind of way we need to pray. So pray with me together, if you would. Papa, I acknowledge that this problem may be caused or worsened by demons, and I repudiate this attack. I ask 
that you bind Satan and his demons by the power of Christ's blood and the victory he won on the cross. Lord, banish any demon or demonic activity from me. Put a shield around me. I surrender this problem, this area of my life to you. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I freely admit my helplessness and complete dependence upon you. Thank you for hearing and answering this prayer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Yeah. Church, let me pray over you now for the battle. Lord, these are your people. I love these people, Lord God. And Lord God, we are under attack, and we need your help, and we need your protection. Lord, I pray for every man, woman, teenager, boy, girl at Wood's Edge. Lord, that you would put a shield of protection around them in the battle. Lord, protect every marriage. Protect every teenager. Protect our kids. Lord God, I pray that we would not walk around in our swim trunks in the middle of this battle, but that we would armor up with a full armor of God, including prayer and the Scriptures. And Lord, may we obey you. May we obey you and trust you because you're good. Lord, expose every lie that we've been believing. And I pray that we would reject it and repudiate it. Lord, in the name of Jesus and by his shed blood, I banish the, the demonic opposition from anybody in this room that's been walking in bondage because of the enemy. Lord, we say no to it in Christ's name. Papa, thank you that we are victorious in you, that we are strong in you, that we win the battle in you, and we are safe. Lord, these are our prayers. In Christ's name we pray, amen.